Welcome and good morning. Uh, we're glad to have you here at Grace and uh, welcome to our what we call our outdoor services, our open air services. The Lord has been so good to be able to hold the weather off, allow us to meet and find the shade, find a place. We are going to be doing the Lord's Supper again later today and so I want to invite you already ahead of time if you are a Christian, you've made a profession of faith or baptized or a part of a evangelical church, we leave that up to your family to be able to partake. If you're here and you've never been baptized or you've never made a profession of faith or you've never come before the elders, please let me know. We have some of our uh, up-and-coming teenagers and children who are ready to partake, and uh, so we're going to be meeting with them and getting them prepared so they can be a part of communion as we take it. So please be in prayer for them as well. Also, let me announce that our ladies group, our ministry of all of our women want you to check your emails. Make sure you stay on top of that. They're having small group luncheons and dinners, and they want you to sign up and be a part of that. So uh, please remember to check your emails and be sure to sign up uh, to be a part of those meals. Also, this Wednesday starts our summer fun days. Um, I appreciate everybody who's been so flexible with me. Uh, we have decided here at the last little bit, since we're not doing VBS, that we're going to do summer fun days. And so every Wednesday in July, Lord willing, we are going to be here at 9 in the morning till 11. Bring your children, ages 3, all the way through the end of 5th grade. We're going to be doing crafts, activities, a lesson. We're going to do some recreation, and uh, we will have a snack and a break time, but it'll all be packaged. You won't have to touch it. Uh, we'll be outside for as much of it as we can, as the Lord permits. So if you have a neighbor or a friend that you want to bring, uh, each week is not built upon the other, and so we're going to be talking about grace all month long of what it means uh, to have the grace of God. So bring your children, bring them out, call us, sign up on your genie online so we'll know, and we'll go from there. But let me begin uh, with prayer here this morning, and then if you would, join me in the Lord's Prayer together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to serve you. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come in obedience and to worship. Father, that you would speak to us, that you would want to condescend to be with us as sinners, that you would send your Son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. Father, that you would take one who was perfect and one who was obedient and one who was willing to cover our sins, to provide a way of peace and to reconcile and to save us from our sins. Lord, all these things we are so glad to be reminded of as we worship. Father, as we prepare our hearts for communion, that, Lord, you would speak to us in spiritual presence, that we would see the importance of gathering together as a body, corporately to be able to take. Father, I pray for those who are at home, those who are watching online. Lord, let them feel apart. Father, as we share communion and are unable, let them still feel apart. Let them feel your presence. Lord, the magic is not in the bread and the drink. We know that. And so we ask you to let them feel a part as well. Father, we know that it's not because of the wisdom of our words or our speech or the fancifulness of our lives. Father, we've earned no reason to be able to come into your presence other than you tell us to come. And so, Lord, we come praying together as a body, saying, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power 
and the glory forever. Amen. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. All right, well, we have the privilege to confess our common faith together. The words are printed for you in the bulletin, the confession of faith on the topic of, of saving faith. So let's recite this together. So I ask you, Christian, what do you believe? The grace of faith whereby the elect are enabled to believe to the saving of their souls is the work of the Spirit of Christ in their hearts and is ordinarily wrought by the ministry of the Word by which also and by the administration of the sacraments and prayer it is increased and strengthened. And that's why we're here, brothers and sisters, whether in person or online. We know that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God and through the administration of the sacraments, which we'll uh, enjoy later on, and through prayer. And now we have the chance to pray together a corporate confession of sin. We pray to God confessing our sins. So please join with me in prayer. What's written for you in the bulletin. Almighty God, unto whom all hearts are open, all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, forgive us and cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. It is a humbling experience to confess our sins, but with confession and faith comes the assurance of our salvation and the assurance, assurance of pardon. From Psalm 145, the Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. Jesus is a merciful savior. If you're looking to him, if you're trusting in him, you are forgiven. Your sins are pardoned. So Father, as we prepare our hearts now to respond, Father, speak to us. Let us set aside all the things that go on to prepare a service. And Lord, let us just serve. Let us just worship. Let our minds hear, let our hearts be touched, and let our wills be changed. For your glory, Father, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. We've been studying together all that Paul has been writing about how to be effective in ministry. How it is that we can know we have purpose in life and how it is that we know what it is God asks us to do is going to bring about glory to his name. It happens in every aspect of life, but one of those things that hinders us from bringing glory to God sometimes are obstacles. How we handle the obstacles in our life. Now, I would tell you that you should handle every obstacle like I do. But if that were the case, we would be steamrolled by every obstacle that came along. Because I find even in my own life that I'm good with one obstacle. Give me time to jump it, get over it, work through it. I'm okay if you bring another obstacle. 
But when you start throwing three or four obstacles at a time, we all find ourselves struggling to handle things in a trustworthy manner in which we realize God only lets them happen according to His plan. And there's reasons and purpose behind it. Paul's facing those same obstacles one after another. And so this morning, I want to speak to you about one obstacle after another. It's here in chapter 6 that I will read this, but I want to begin first by saying, what do we mean by obstacles after obstacles? It's one thing to prepare to handle the obstacles of the day. Now, I don't know what your work is like, what your day entails, but I do know that some days we wake up and realize it's going to be a long day. Sometimes we wake up and realize it's going to be a hard day. We know up front that the obstacles are coming and we're planning and we're prepared to face them. The hard part is when the obstacles you least expect start. Let me give you an example. You wake up in the morning and the coffee pot breaks. There's nothing worse. Hell will be without coffee. You wake up and you find out that, wait a minute, you're out of milk. Yeah, you can't find socks that match. You're not quite sure why the alarm didn't go off in time. And then you find out it's still evening. You never made it to the morning. We've all had obstacles that come before the day even begins. Paul's writing because he has already addressed the Corinthians, faced the obstacles in their life, presented Jesus Christ, and he's constantly finding obstacles again from those who come behind him and want to change things. And so he writes this to the Corinthians, who know the grace of God, who have been touched by the grace of God, and are now being swayed by different obstacles or people in their lives trying to discredit what it is that Paul is accomplishing. Maybe you feel like Paul because you worked so hard to accomplish what it is that was set before you only to have someone else tear it down, for someone else to mock it, for someone else to ridicule it. This is what Paul writes, chapter 6 keeping in mind that this in the Greek text is actually attached to chapter 5. There's no break. So it would conclude in chapter 5 by saying, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God, working together with him. Put the word God there. It's not capitalized in all translations. doesn't need to be. It's not in the Greek. But it's the reference to God, working together with with him. Then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way, so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, by great endurance, in affliction, hardships, and calamities. I'm going to stop right there. We could go on the whole list. I'll let you read them. But I want to speak to you this morning about just this, not having obstacles that affect the essentialness of our ministry, that affect how we do ministry for the glory of God. He begins by saying, working together with Him. If you're writing this down, working through, I'm going to give you three things. Obstacles that we deal with are heralding, hearing, and heeding. Those are the things that he brings together this morning. And I remind you 
Before we ever get to the obstacles that others may bring, these are the obstacles that face us. The obstacles that tear down the grace of God and make it void, ineffective in our lives. The obstacles that challenge God's grace in bringing us peace are the obstacles of heralding, hearing, and heeding. Listen to what he says, working together, first of all, together with him. If you're going to be a minister of reconciliation and understand the peace that belongs to the children of God who've been adopted, you must understand the concept of heralding. By definition, heralding is something that is filled with excitement and urgency. In heralding the gospel, we are excited about sharing our faith. The problem is we lose track of the or side of the fact that many of us share the gospel as instruments that are not in harmony. We're not working together with God. Now, let me remind you, God does not need you. God does not need you to share the gospel. God does not need you to fulfill the Great Commission. God does not need you to accomplish His plan. It is only by great mercy and by the sacrifice of His own will, in the sense of saying, I will not do this alone. I want the fellowship of others. We see that in Genesis when He said, let us make man in our image. Let's create a fellowship. Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane the same thing when He said, Father, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world but that you keep them from the evil one, that they may be one like we are one. But the problem of it is we don't always work with God. As instruments, as you just heard Dana so wonderfully play, are wonderful sounding by themselves. But that doesn't work in the gospel pattern because God doesn't want unsung heroes. Paul did not work by himself. Peter did not work by himself. Jesus did not work by himself. He fit us into a body. He knit us together where every member is necessary and needed. And the problem with that is, is if we put Dana up here on her violin and then ask Jerry to stand beside her playing the trumpet, I would sound so much different than her. Not better. And you might ask yourself, why is he doing that? Now, if you asked me to sing, it would be a different story. Probably be worse than the trumpet. But the truth of it is, you can't blend instruments unless they're designed to be together, work in harmony, and accomplish a symphony. Well, there's something the Bible says that goes further in working together with God. He says we are ambassadors for Christ. An ambassador is the biblical term that is used for one representative of a country, a high-ranking officer that would be sent to the enemy that they were attacking and about to conquer and say, go and make peace with the enemy because we have found favor for them, we love them, and we want to keep them. And so rather than judging them and killing them, we want to make peace with them. And so they send an ambassador with the terms of peace. Do you not see how that fits? Do you not see how you, as an ambassador of Christ, do the same thing? When you're heralding the gospel, it's with an enthusiasm that says, Look, I'm here from the king that is in control. And I've been sent on a mission because you're going to be judged. You're enemies with God. There's enmity between you. And I'm here to tell you that rather than judging you, he has sent me with a call to repent. The terms of peace. That if you will repent, accept his gospel, follow his son Jesus Christ, allow his death, burial, and resurrection to cover you. Then as he conquers us, we become victorious with him. 
For rather than being judged, we reign together with the kingdom that advances. That's what Christ does. The end of chapter 5 and the beginning of chapter 6 says the biggest obstacle is we forgot what it means to herald. We take instruction to people rather than reconciliation. We look at the gospel as a book of information rather than relationship. You see, we've lost an excitement about sharing what God is doing. We're in a pandemic. People are questioning what kind of God would allow this to happen. Why does God even allow people to die through this? When is he going to stop this? Isn't that amazing? That even those who disbelieve are now asking why God's not stepped in to be in control? So you don't want to believe in a God until you want him to be in control, and then you call out to him. I remember in the military as we were training in chaplaincy, I remember when Sergeant Park said to us, you'll find out what people truly believe as you minister to them in the middle of the Paragon Trail or the infiltration course or in the foxhole. He said, when you find yourself in the time that the enemy is attacking, you will hear your soldiers cry out to one of two people. They will either say, Mom or God. And folks, I hate to tell you this, as Chaplain or Sergeant Park would say, you're not going to find your mom in the infiltration course. You better learn to cry out to God. You see, when we're heralding the gospel, it's because it's like a marriage. Think about this, folks. It's excitement with the gospel. Working together with God means you're excited about sharing the truth. You're excited about sharing your testimony. It's like a marriage all throughout Scripture. How many of you, when you were ready to get married, went to that lovely future spouse, hopefully, that didn't turn you down, the one that finally accepted your invitation is because you presented it like this. Well, I really don't want you to be alone the rest of your life. And I know no one's designed to be lonely. And I know there's heartaches that are coming your way. And that somebody really needs to be in your life to help you. And someone nice needs to come along the way. And I'd really like to be that person that just kind of fills the spot so that you don't have to face trials a lot. At least that's what my wife said to me. <laughs> no. Heralding the gospel would be, I can't stand it anymore. You're the only one I can think about. You're the only one that I love. You're the only one that could make my life any different. I cannot find purpose and I do not have meaning. I have come to the point in my life that I just cannot go on without you. Would you please marry me? That's really what my wife said to me. <laughs> that's heralding. You see, in a marriage, we understand that the excitement that comes with it is because it's a passionate belief that it has to be true. The word that we get here in the Greek for appealing to you is the same word in, in verse 19. It's also translated exhort. God does not appeal to you as saying things like this. You know, I, I really wish I had more people in my kingdom, and it looks kind of bare up here in heaven alone. The throne's got a little more room, and if you've got time, I'd sure love to have you come. God's not appealing to you that way. He's exhorting you. You're going to be a conquered enemy. The day is coming when you're going to be judged. And I'm going to bring recompense to everything you've ever done. There will only be one king. There will only be one ruler. And I'm going to be the one. And I'm giving you an opportunity. I exhort you. Respond in repentance. Believe in the gospel. And accept my son Jesus Christ. And join the victory celebration that we see in the book of Revelation. That's heralding. But we find ourselves too much like Jonah. 
we find ourselves with a message that would change an entire country. And yet we run and hide. We run away. And we don't want to see its effective work until Nineveh is reached. And we realize that it's not just heralding that makes the difference. It's also hearing. For the Ninevites' lives were changed because they heard the message. If we move on, look what it says in verse 1. He says, I read, do not receive the grace of God in vain. The first obstacle we have before we ever get started in the day is the obstacle of heralding. We present a gospel message to people that is so boring, why would they want to serve? Yet when we find the excitement of the gospel and it's heralding, it's the immediacy that it needs to be done now. It's now. I will not make another day without you. Do not reject the message. The hearing of the gospel. The second obstacle. Why? Because we hear so many times the message of the gospel as simple instruction. We see it as an educational opportunity for advancement. We sell the gospel to people that if you could just live by this, your life would be so different. It would be so much better. Things would get along so much easier. Folks, I don't know how you would say that to Joseph or Abraham or Job. I wonder what Stephen thought about how easy it was to be stoned to death. You see, we sell a gospel that's not really there because we want people to think it matters to them. The problem is in order for them to hear the gospel, it's got to be heralded in its immediacy. It's got to be presented as the truth from God the Father. It's got to be presented as there's no other option so that the hearers see it as reconciliation. The message of the gospel is simply this. You are at enmity with God, and you need to be reconciled. And the only way to be right with God is to come to Him through Jesus Christ, His Son, to accept what He has done on the cross for you, to realize that He has rose from the dead so that He could mediate where He is at the throne of heaven, so that He could reign from on high in your life. There is nothing in that presentation of reconciliation about life being easy, about life being comfortable. Serving Christ is tough. As you read your missionary moments every day, the one thing about the pandemic is this, it's affecting people all over the world. And so our missionaries can now write, the fear you now face is no different than the fear we face every day. Your life could be taken at any moment, by anybody, in any circumstance. Yet we serve God faithfully. Isn't it amazing how hearing the truth makes such a difference in the effectiveness of the gospel? Did you hear the gospel message of the death the burial, and the resurrection? Did you hear the message of his ascension to the right hand of the Father? Did you hear the message that he will come again to judge both the living and the dead? That's the message you should hear. If anything else persuades you in the gospel presentation, you're listening to something else. You're listening to your heart's desires. You're wanting things to be different. You're justifying your own actions. The greatest obstacles we face is because when we don't hear it right, 
we lose the message of peace, forgiveness, and love. That's what comes in Jesus Christ. The problem with it all is that we think that if God's going to do it, he'll do it in his own time. And we lose the fact that we are responsible in hearing of the faith. We've got to understand that we are still responsible to respond. Are you ready to respond this morning? Are you ready to hear the message of the truth? That God wants you to be at peace. God wants you to know what reconciliation is. He wants you to understand love. He wants you to know that he's the conquering king. And he has found favor with you. And he wants you to be reconciled so that you can serve him rather than being destroyed. Oh, the final obstacle that we have is not just that we fail at heralding the message, not that we fail at hearing the message, but we have the greatest obstacle of heeding the message. Your responsibility is not to say, I got it, preacher, I hear it, I know it. I've read the Bible, I get it, I just have a hard time believing it. I don't see how it changes my life. The rest of the world doesn't see the need for it. Some have even told us today, it's non-essential. Heeding the message. For he says in a favorable time, verse 2, I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Now is the day of salvation. You might not know that, but if you have a Bible that has references, you will see that that comes right out of Isaiah 49. It's the message of Isaiah when God, his servant, the Lord's servant, says to the people of Israel, I will send my servant. Now catch this. He will set you free. He will do it through the Messiah. And he will restore you into a right relationship. Do you not catch that? That Isaiah's prophecy that one day we would be restored, we would be set free, and that we'd be in a right relationship with God comes through a Messiah. We're no longer waiting for that Messiah. The time is now. That's what Paul writes. Listen to what he says when he says the time is now, the day of salvation. The time is not the word for chronos in the Greek. That is the word for chronological is where we get our terms. It's the day of newness. It's the day of age. What he is saying is not that this is the moment, this is the, the time in the second. What he's saying is now is the time, now is the era. We are in the time of Jesus Christ. We are in the message of salvation. And today is the day to heed the gospel. Today is the day to not just say, I hear it. It's not just saying, I want to share it. It's saying, I believe it. I live by it. And it means the difference in everything to me. Heeding the gospel. Oh, eurodektos is the word that is used throughout Greek, not to bore you. But it's that word we get as acceptable or favorable. That's the time we're in. Do you know why the time is now favorable? Because there is no other time between the time in which Christ came until the time he comes about that you can find salvation. We're even told in the book of Hebrews that man is destined to die once. And after that judgment. There is no other time. You won't find a time after death to still be saved. There are those that have created an opportunity. 
Some would call it purgatory. And they would say there's an opportunity for those who die that if people would just pray for them and do penance for them and to give offerings for them, our good works can be attributed to them and therefore they can still be saved. You'll never find that in Scripture. You'll never find that in the Gospel message. What you will find is simply this. Now is the time for salvation. From the moment you heard the Gospel until the day you die, is the opportune time. Now here's the scary part. Today is the day I know you've heard the gospel. You may have heard it before. You may have responded before. But mark my words, from this day until the day you die is the day of salvation for you. But I don't know when that day is going to be. Yes, it could happen in any kind of way. You could die of the flu. You could die of COVID. You could die in car wrecks more than any other accident. You could die if you read the signs at the corner of Edgewater from an overdose of drugs. You could die of old age. You just wore out. All of those are times that are determined and destined only by God. If I could, let me give you a bit of Presbyterianism. Let me give you a bit of Reformed theology. Let me give you just a bit of the gospel. No matter when and how you die, don't let Satan turn it as an opportunity as a mistake, as a mishap, as unforeseen. Because the Bible makes it clear that there is a time to be born and there is a time to what? And they are both determined by God. Today is the day. And now is the time. There will be no other opportunity other than the days in which you breathe to experience the breath of life. You want to overcome the obstacles and face the hurdles of the day? Let's first begin with the obstacle of heralding. To present a gospel message with urgency, immediacy, because today's the day. Let's overcome the obstacle of hearing Let's not let the evilness of our hearts block the importance of truth. Let's not let the fears of the world scare us from serving. Let's hear the message of reconciliation, our need to be right with God. And finally, let's jump the hurdle of heeding. Let's respond. Oh, tomorrow could be the day. I share a story that was shared in the USA Today back in the 80s. There's a story that was shared with me that changed my life as a teenager. There was a gentleman, a pastor that was moving to Texas. In order to go and set up his family, he wanted things prepared first. And so he said to his family, go down there, get things ready. I'll have it all ready. Then you can come. They said, no, that's not worth it. We want to go together. 
He pushed and prodded. They pushed and prodded. They finally decided, I'll tell you what, let's get everything loaded. I'll drive the van. You as a family fly and we'll be in Texas about the same time to start life. It was a wonderful plan. I remember when he said to his oldest son in the story, son, would you like to know Christ and accept him before we get to Texas? Would you like to start life in Texas brand new? He said, Dad, yeah, that's good. Let, let's do that. He said, well, why don't you just ride with me, son? So they did. 1980s, USA Today. Plane flies into the Dallas airport over the highway too low. Clips the top of a moving van, killing both the driver and the passenger inside the moving van. Yes, the plane landed, it skidded to a halt, and the family survived. But oh, what a wrenching story when they realized the van that the plane wheels clipped and the two that were killed were the husband and son. I don't know when it's going to happen. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know if your life's going to be changed by cancer, drugs, alcohol, old age, COVID, flu, too long a sermon. I'm not sure what it's going to be. But I will tell you this. The greatest obstacles you'll ever face is heralding the gospel. Hearing it is what it's meant to be and heeding its message. Here's how he says it. Now is the day of salvation. Tomorrow may just be too late. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Father, that we see the reconciliation through your Son, Jesus Christ. That here this morning, we will see the importance of sharing the gospel, heralding it to our children, to our neighbors extended family and friends and we share it with an urgency for we don't know what tomorrow brings father I pray for the hearing of the word the hearing of the good news that you would soften the hearts of your children that your Holy Spirit would bring conviction that you would lighten the load make it clear and pave the way for them to hear for the seed to be planted the word to be sown, and for it to multiply in their lives. Father, I pray for healing. That we would overcome our evil desires in our lives. And we would actually respond to the truth. Father, we want the peace. We want the peace that passes all understanding. We want to be right with you. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would receive the benediction. And may the Lord bless you, keep you, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he turn his countenance toward you and give you peace. And all God's children said, Amen. Amen. Have a wonderful Lord's Day.